When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk to Government Minister of Responsibility for Care, Care Minister Helen Waitley, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, I suppose the first question has to be very straightforward to you, uh, a question really, which is, um, have care homes been forgotten in all of this? Uh, with the coronavirus deaths, we're, we're told there may well be 4,000 people who've died already of coronavirus, and yet those numbers have not been counted in the official statistics. Have they been forgotten? Um, not at all. The whole way through, the, the government has been thinking about health and social care as a whole system, um, because they're both dependent on each other. So as we prepared for the coronavirus pandemic and now as we, we respond to it, um, as I say, we are thinking very hard and working really hard. Um, the whole team's working very hard to support social care as best we can. Um, it's, it's not easy to do. Um, we have thousands, nearly 30,000 care providers all across the country looking after some of the most vulnerable people who we know are at greatest risk of complications if they catch coronavirus. Um, so it's really, really important and we're doing our absolute best to both protect um, those uh, residents from catching coronavirus uh, and to making sure that the care is there for them and also to support the workforce in caring for them. But I won't say for a moment that it is easy for us or in fact any country around the world. Um, uh, responding to this this horrid, horrid disease. Well, I mean, it may well be the case that the government's doing its best, but it would appear the government's best in this particular field has not been good enough. I've raised the issue with your own boss, uh, Matt Hancock, the health secretary previously. Like many people, I've got an elderly relative living in a care home. They had 11 suspected cases of coronavirus um, a week or two ago, um, unable to get any testing, no, nothing, absolutely point blank refused any testing. Finally, a patient's sick enough to go into hospital got tested confirmed no more tests available for staff or for other residents you're we're told that there is going to be a, a coronavirus test for every care home resident showing symptoms and all care staff as well as capacity increases but when is that going to be how many more weeks will we wait for that so, so as you say and um what we have been doing and what public health england has, has, has been doing is testing 
um, uh, residents in in Cairns where there's been an outbreak to confirm the outbreak, but they haven't. No, you haven't been. No, no. With all due respect, Minister, I have spoken to numerous people involved in the care home uh, sector and and obviously spoken, obviously, to the care home where my my aunt is resident. They they are all reporting, almost to a man or woman, that they are not able to get tests. That is simply not true. But well, we have been carrying out testing, as I, de- as I described, for the outbreaks. But, but let me come to the policy not I've been true. able to announce. Let me let me come to the policy I've been able to announce today. We're able to announce today, which is that as we ramp up testing, um, there are there are three things that we are doing. One is that we will introduce testing for every resident in a care home who has coronavirus symptoms, um, and we know that this is something that care homes very much want to be able to... And when will that be? Um, um, so as, a, as we are ramping up testing, this is what we... This is, there's not a matter of waving uh, a, a magic wand and being... No, I don't, no I don't expect that, but can okay. we have a rough idea? Your boss said that we'd have 100,000 yeah. tests every day for antibodies and antigens. Uh, vast majority of those would be antibody tests by the end of April. We're halfway through April now, and you are right now... I know the best efforts are going, and I'm not unsupportive of the government's efforts on this, like a lot of people... But you're nowhere near reaching that. So when you say you're promising that everyone will get tested when we've got capacity, when do you expect to have that capacity? So that we are, as, as you well know, because it's been talked about a great deal, we're working to achieve 100,000 tests a day by the end of, uh, the, end of the month. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the testing of workers in the care sector, which has already begun. Um, so already around 1,000 uh, care workers have been been tested, and another thousand have already been referred for tests or due to have tests. And this week, CQC, the Care Quality Commission, is contacting nearly thirty thousand care providers, registered care providers, to line up their staff or family members of their staff for tests, so that we can make sure that we we have the workforce we need in care homes to look after people, whether or not they have coronavirus. Okay, but can I ask you once again? When, roughly, I don't expect it to the minute or even to the exact day, are you expecting to be able to do this and test all the people who in residence and, and, uh, and care home providers and, and carers? Are you expecting to do that within days, within the next week, by the end of the month? Can we have a rough idea of when this will happen? Because this is, if we don't know that patients or, or carers have got coronavirus, they're going to be spreading it to other residents. And these are the most particularly vulnerable people, as you well know, in our society. Basically, if coronavirus spreads in a care home, we are likely to see mass deaths in that care home. So when, when are we looking at it? I think you're asking me a question to which there, there isn't a meaningful answer because testing is going to keep happening uh, while we have the, the pandemic, while we have any, anybody who, is, who has coronavirus symptoms in the country. So it's not like it's going to be all done by tomorrow because no the, i'm not expecting the that in the, in, if in, the vast in the majority of people who run care homes with all due respect if the vast majority of people who run care homes say they can't get testing for their patients or sorry, for their residents or for their carers and you're saying we're going to roll it out it is is it not a reasonable question to ask roughly what time frame would that be happening in we're, we're rolling it out now but what i said is it's going to be ongoing over a number of days and weeks it won't be something that you do and then it's finished because because you will, 
um, for, for as long as we we have the virus around, there will be people who. Of course. At what at what point will it be the case that any resident suspected of having coronavirus or any carer will be able to get tested within a day? At what point? Give me a rough idea for that. Then I'll give you a more specific I, 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 question. I, it feels like slightly we're going around in circles. I mean, I've, I've announced that this but is because you're not answering my question. Introducing well, I, I'm giving I'm giving you the answer I can give you, which is that we're introducing a policy of of uh, giving access to testing to care workers and to care residents uh, I, i'm very sure also this, this we're running a, a little bit late and my i do my, i do accept that i do accept that it's ringing in front of me because i i know I'm, I'm i'm due to be on with a, another broadcast which is making it slightly difficult because i'm doing my best well given that that broadcaster that you're due to be on has uh, made my guest late many many times in the past i'm going to put one more question to you um uh, in terms of the uh, hs2 we've that's been announced in the last few moments that hs2 construction has been given the go-ahead do we really have a spare 100 billion pounds at this time to spend on a new railway service so, and as you heard the Chancellor talking yesterday about the uh, economy, uh, is that we really want to make sure that as, as we move out of this this um, crisis of, of coping with the pandemic, that we have a strong economy, that the economy is able to bounce back. That's why we've been supporting businesses as best we can, supporting the workforce, trying to keep people in employment. And that's why we want to be able to continue to invest in infrastructure so that we can have really strong economic growth so that the prospects for people are bright as we move forward. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Now, a little bit earlier around this, uh, about an hour ago, I spoke to the care minister, Helen Waitley, and um, I have to say, it, it, I think the phrase car crash interview may well uh, be uh, accurately used in this uh, circumstance. Uh, she's been talking about care homes. A big announcement from Matthew Hancock, the health secretary today, that uh, the government is promising coronavirus tests for every care home resident showing symptoms and all care staff who need one as capacity increases over coming days. But was unable, she was unable to tell me when that was likely to be. We've been promised testing, antigen and antibody testing up to 100,000 a day uh, by the end of this month. We're already halfway through it and we're frankly nowhere near that. We're more close to the 20,000-25,000 a day mark. Um, Are you hopeful, uh, do you believe that the government is actually on top of, is coping and and dealing with the strategy for testing to find out who's got the virus, who hasn't got the virus, who has got it uh, and who has had it? Uh, there's progress, Julia, but no, I can't say I'm confident as of yet. And just on car crash interviews, uh, I'm no person to talk. I did a couple of those when I was dealing with uh, swine flu a decade ago. So I, I have a lot of sympathy for ministers in this situation. But uh, it, it's going to get easier to do interviews if they can demonstrate more of a grip on these crucial issues of testing, protective equipment, and social care generally. Now, if I describe to you today where we are in Greater Manchester, I think the, the greatest concern is around the social care system, its fragility, uh, its lack of ability to respond to what's being thrown at it. And you know, I, I would like to see ministers really just focus on things and, and get things uh, sorted. The, the announcement on testing in social care is a good step forward today, but there are two problems, Julia, two specific problems, which I can tell you are facts. There is still no reliable supply line of protective equipment for social care. Greater Manchester has been expecting a delivery. It's still not arrived. There's no predictable supply line, and that's not right. Number two, we just don't know what's happening in our care homes day to day because there is no daily reporting system of suspected cases, levels of supply of protective equipment, sadly number of deaths. You know, we don't have up-to-date information, so how can we react to what's going on in our homes without that? And these are things that the government urgently needs to address, in my view. And, and this is the issue, isn't it? I mean, there have been some really quite scary numbers that have been coming out in the last couple of days that we know that the daily death toll we get is hospital death tolls. Now, some countries, I think France includes their care home deaths uh, as well as their, their hospital deaths and their figures perhaps may be higher as a result of that. Uh, but uh, we had 778 more deaths announced yesterday, bringing the total to 12,107. But again, the death toll we've seen over the last few days was probably reflective of uh, the, the bank holiday weekend. We have lower recording bank Friday, Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. We are likely to see a big jump today. But there is some thought that there could be 4,000 already who have died in care homes with coronavirus, of coronavirus. Different things, of course, but we'll never know because they weren't tested uh, at at any point. And I've seen some reports by some actuaries whose job it is for the insurance business to actually make predictions on, you know, what's going on. They estimate that we may have seen 25,000 excess deaths in the UK so far this year from coronavirus. Uh, so more than double the number of deaths that the uh, officials are reporting. Um, how worried are you that this is actually a lot worse than we're being told? I think it is worse uh, than we're, we're being told. 
I'm not necessarily saying that's because it's being withheld from us. It's just that there has always been a different reporting system for deaths in the community. The hospital system is used to providing data very quickly. As NHS England said yesterday, but the care homes and the community deaths are not recorded in the same way. So it isn't the full picture, uh, Julia. Uh, And I think when we compare ourselves to France, well, France have been including care home and community deaths. So there's not a, a direct comparison there. So this is very worrying, I have to say. And from my point of view, I think you can only target the testing where it's needed and you can only get the equipment where it's needed if you know day to day what is going on in those in those care homes. And I'm afraid this goes back many years in our country. Social care has been the poor relation of the system. Now, that isn't a political point, Julia, because I, I tried to persuade my party to reform social care and it didn't. And, of course, the current government hasn't done it either. And this is the problem. It's not in a position where it can kind of withstand what is being asked of it at the moment. It's a fragmented, under-resourced system. And it's, it's sad because within it, you have equally heroic people who are doing their best to care for people. And, you know, often nurses get a lot of attention, and rightly so. But those care home staff, they are battling away without the spotlight, without the equipment, and it really needs to be corrected and corrected urgently. And I really want to hear from the Health Secretary today a a kind of comprehensive plan for social care, not just the testing, a supply line for the protective equipment, daily reporting system. These are the basics of of getting the care home situation right. Um, But Julie, you do accept, as you've hinted at there, as I think all of us do, this is not about, you know, gotcha journalism. I'm not in favour of that in the middle of a pandemic. It doesn't really serve anyone's uh, any purpose. But how much harder it is to get that data from care homes to do that amount of testing in care homes. We've got, you know, 400,000 residents in care homes. Um, uh, And and obviously you're going to prioritise people who are very sick in hospital. I mean, we understand that. But the difficulty of getting that data in from, you know, know, 20,000, 30,000 care homes as opposed to from hundreds hundreds of hospitals yeah but it could be done because obviously local authorities have direct relationships with all of those all of those homes and you know the, the thing that i'm worrying about julia this morning is it's not that you know the the, the virus is kind of um uh, unmanaged in those places it also might be spreading so there, there may be actually a, a growth of the virus in in care homes so we're seeing obviously the social distancing measures helping within the community the worry is we're seeing outbreaks in care homes and that might be then kind of adding to the further spread of the virus. So, you know, that, that's the, the concern. And it's just not acceptable to be this far into this and still to have no regular supply line of protective equipment for care homes. Now, you know, if I were to single out one issue, because I spoke to uh, people in social care in Greater Manchester yesterday, that is the one that is really, really frustrating them. And the government could do something about that if they would, were to work with us a little more openly. They're kind of holding the supply and they're only releasing it in dribs and drabs. And that isn't working for people. There are homes that are running out of equipment. And I can say that that is a that, that is a fact. Absolutely. Uh, can I also ask you about the exit strategy? Your party leader, uh, Sir Keir Starmer, this morning is uh, demanding on the government that they publish the exit strategy. They wanted it published this week. He says now the government ministers replied, well, sources in the government, that we're not even at the peak yet. We're going to hit that later this week. Uh, realistically, tomorrow we're going to see an extension of the three-week lockdown to another three weeks uh, minimum. Uh, so what's the point in him writing to Dominic Raab, who's uh, deputising for the Prime Minister while he recovers from coronavirus, asking for an exit strategy when we are in nowhere near the exit i do think we have to start thinking about it julia because there's been ideas floated out of government that we might have a regional relaxation of the exit strategy so some places 
uh, able to, to go out and about before others, I think that would be a disaster. So I think it's right to sort of kind of get a debate about that now. So look, I, I don't think that's successful. I don't want people here in Greater Manchester looking at people going to the pub and restaurants in, in London because the whole thing would break down then. You know, you just it wouldn't work. It's got to be all of the country uh, together, surely. So there has to be a debate about that. And it can't all be done behind closed doors because it affects everybody. But, but yeah, let's not either, though, weaken the, the stay-at-home uh, message. It is a stay-at-home message for now. Uh, let's begin this debate about releasing the lockdown, as other countries are doing. But, but at the same time, there has to be discipline about that stay-at-home uh, message. And I will be fronting a press briefing with the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police later today, where we will update on the, you know, the figures. The vast majority of people are observing the lockdown here in Greater Manchester, but there are still a persistent group who are having those house parties and, and we're going to get firmer with, with that and we'll be briefing the press on that later. OK, and just finally, I must ask you, as someone who uh, uh, was very much uh, involved in making sure that we did get justice uh, for the, the, those who lost their lives at Hillsborough, today was supposed to be the final memorial service held at Anfield on the 35th, uh, 31st anniversary of the tragedy. But of course, it's had to be postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but Liverpool players and staff are going to hold a minute's silence later to remember families. Fans. Uh, and Margaret Aspinall, who chairs the Hillsborough Family Support Group, called on supporters to join us in our prayers uh, today, uh, she says, uh, to remember the 96 and keep the families and everyone who's been affected in your thoughts at this difficult time. Your thoughts on that? Well, my main thought, Julie, there is it, it breaks my heart, the extent to which fate continues to conspire against the Hillsborough families and, and all of the survivors. You know, here they are today. We're planning for the last memorial and you know, and can't have that. And obviously, Margaret has spoken out today in really poignant uh, terms, saying that, you know, her thoughts are with those suffering from coronavirus right now. And, you know, in some ways, the same kind of unified effort is needed to um, fight it as, as it was needed to get justice for the, for the families. And it's still a, only a form of justice, I'm afraid, because the court case last year, um, in my view, uh, did not deliver fairness or justice. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very tough day. But, um, you know, it, it's a day when we do think of them all. And it's wonderful for me to see Michael Everton, Manchester United, Manchester City, all of them sending their best wishes to, to Margaret, all of the families, all of the survivors, Liverpool Football Club. You know, uh, this is um, what's great about our country, isn't it? And at the end of the day, we, we, we like our rivalries, but we are a very unified country at the end of the day. It will... Uh, continue to give support to the Hills of families and it will continue to help us get through this coronavirus crisis. So, you know, on a tough day, so much that we can from, isn't it, in terms of our solidarity. Absolutely. Uh, At the end of the day, when, when, when things really do matter, we, we, we do come together. Andy Burnham, lovely to speak to you as always, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, former Labour Health Secretary. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. While concerned, as we have been, we're talking all day about elderly residents in care homes. I think a lot of us also very concerned about uh, youngsters, about uh, those uh, children in primary school and secondary school missing out on crucial months of their education. Uh, and, of course, uh, students uh, missing out as well. And there's been a call now from the former chief executive of UCAS, that's the body uh, that manages the university applications, Mary Cunnock-Cook, uh, for university fees should uh, be cut by 20% uh, next year. Well, that would be with the... Uh, 
2020 uh, 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 start uh, uh, month. Of course, she says that it's a bit unreasonable for students to have to pay a full £9,250 fee for the year if they're only getting virtual lectures and not getting the full university experience. She said students would be rightly hard done by. Uh, she said it would feel that way. Let's talk to Nick Hillman, who's the director of the Higher Education Policy Institute. Um, Nick, do you agree? Should there be a, a, a 20% rebate on university fees? Good morning, Julia. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea that should be in the mix. I mean, there's lots of other ideas in the mix. Universities uh, said they should be directly subsidised rather than rather than any extra money being uh, going to students effectively by cutting their fees. So there are lots of ideas floating around. But I think it's a good idea because stu- for, for a number of reasons, students have been hit this year. You know, they had strikes before the current crisis and pretty much the whole of the summer term is wiped out. And I would do it myself on an institution by institutional uh, um, way because some universities have moved to really, really good online learning where you can access your tutors all the time. You can still go to you know, all the lectures just remotely. And the learning is pretty much as good as if you were still on campus. And sometimes that won't have happened. And I think there's a yeah. much better case for a refund when it hasn't happened. Well, that's it. I would have thought also very specific to different courses. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. As someone who 30 years ago attended only three lectures in three years, I did, I did all the tutorials. I wrote all the essays. I got my 2-1. But um, I, 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 remote lectures wouldn't have made any difference to me. I still probably wouldn't have looked at them. But it depends what you do. If you're doing a science subject where you're needing to do experiments in a lab, you need to actually be there. You are going to be missing out an awful lot. If, however, you're doing, say, an English literature degree where a lot of it is, you know, reading the books on your own and, and, and writing about them and then having those you can say those that online tutorial or online lecture that you although you're missing out on a lot of the experience well you know so is the rest of the country you're not actually losing out on the learning are you so it may well be different not just for different institutions but different courses yes and there's another really important point there if you're doing a course that trains you for a profession so let's say you want to be a pharmacist then your course has to be accredited by the, you know, the industry body that says you're good enough to be a pharmacist. And you know, getting an English degree or a history degree like I got is one thing. Making sure you're a fully qualified pharmacist who's had all the learning you need to make sure you're giving out the right drugs in the right amounts you know, is really important. So, again, you probably can't have a blanket, you know, a blanket approach. You probably do okay. have to teach. And, and just finally, this is going to be a big issue for universities who themselves are going to be losing huge amount of fees uh, from the international students who won't be applying, uh, just simply won't be taking up those courses, paying for those courses. And we know, of course, they are charged far higher fees than British students. So there's going to be a massive hit if we don't have international travel uh, starting by September, which is very likely that it won't continue, won't be. That, up and running fully by then. Yeah, that's what students, uh, sorry, universities are most scared about because the international students pay the really high fees and they cross, the, the truth is they cross-subsidise lots of other things universities do. And the international students may very well stop coming this September. Um, home students will still come because, you know, it's a very bad year to try to get a job. If you've just left school, you know, it's a very good year probably to go to university, but a very bad year to go, go out and get a job. So, um so, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're really scared about the international students not coming, it affecting their bottom lines. It could push a, a few of them to the wall financially. Won't happen till, till the autumn. 
but it could happen then. Although, let's be honest, um, some of our universities should be uh, pushed to the wall and uh, go out of business because they're not actually providing a very good service, I'm afraid. That is the truth. Uh, Nick Hillman, Director of Higher Education Policy Institute, thank you very much indeed. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.